I don't know what Christmas is like for you, but for many of us, it's, it's chaos. I mean, think about the stores you have to go to and the gifts you have to buy and the food you have to prepare and the people that will be visiting your house. And well, quite frankly, it can be overwhelming. Uh, it can be chaos. You know, the world at the time of Jesus was chaos uh, for the followers of God. They were heavily persecuted by the Roman Empire. And on top of that, they were going through a 400-year span where God was silent. God didn't speak to anyone for 400 years, and so no one alive at that time really had a personal relationship with God. It was chaos. But God, in His infinite wisdom, didn't just clean up the chaos or, or tidy up things. Instead, He decided to enter into the chaos with His people. Isaiah 9 says that Jesus came to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You know, maybe this Christmas, that's what we need. Instead of trying to reduce the chaos in our life or, or try to straighten it up, maybe what we need is for Jesus to be our hope in the chaos. big welcome uh, to all of you. Thanks for coming out on this Thanksgiving weekend, and especially uh, to those of you that maybe you're here from out of town and spending some time with some family uh, before heading back home. Uh, we love having you here with us uh, also on this Sunday morning. Uh, my name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis, and uh, well, I hope you had a Thanksgiving or a happy Thanksgiving, and if, well, if you're wondering if I had a happy Thanksgiving, uh, we did. Uh, we fried a turkey and uh, nothing caught on fire. And uh, really, to me, that's kind of always the first sign of a great Thanksgiving is if you fry something and uh, no one gets hurt or if you don't burn anything down along the way. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a great time for us and uh, great to be back with you today. Uh, we are, as we just uh, saw, kicking off a brand new series today called Hope in the Chaos. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you and want to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6, or if you use something like the Version app on your phone, we invite you to go there with us, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. Hey, what kinds of things come to your mind when you think of the word chaos? Now, it's probably only appropriate uh, for this weekend that when you think chaos, maybe you think Black Friday, right? Or now, not only do we have Black Friday, but we have Gray Thursday and Cyber Monday tomorrow, right? How, how many of you ventured out on Black Friday or Gray Thursday? How many of you stood in a really long line, okay? Maybe a few around the room. Others, you're not playing. You're not going to raise your hand. Um, I've made it a personal goal in life to not shop ever in my whole life, Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, continue in that. But we all know that if you try to shop this weekend, well, that it's, it's chaos. Uh, how, how many of you, when you think of chaos, you think uh, your bedroom closet, uh, or maybe something like the back seat of your car, or maybe the dishes from breakfast that are going to await you when you get home, you know, they're sitting on the counter right now, even as we speak. Uh, maybe when you think chaos, well, you're a teacher, and so you think kindergartners, all right, or uh, the lunchroom at school. I mean, that, that is a perfect definition of, of chaos. If, if you're a first-time parent, 
Well, you're, you know you're, well, you're getting used to chaos. If you've got kids, you know, no matter what age they are right now, well, you know a little bit of chaos. I've got a friend who lives in Louisville, and I was reading on Facebook this past week that he and his wife just had their second baby, well, welcomed their second baby into the world. So his wife gave birth to their little boy on the kitchen floor. Yes. All right, and so my friend, the dad, delivered his own son with the help of the 911 operator, uh, and uh, all while his little girl and dog witnessed it from the kitchen floor too, and, uh, and this wasn't some unique home birthing plan that they had developed or come up with, I mean, and, and, and I will tell you, I'm, it's, we're glad to say that his wife and baby are doing great, but I can only imagine there was a little bit of chaos uh, in that kitchen uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you live or spend any time in the Westfield or Carmel area, when you think chaos, you think of US 31 right now, right? I mean, that's the great definition of chaos. Or maybe, maybe for you, maybe when you just think about the next few weeks. Uh, and for you, if you're a student, that means you've got finals coming up. Uh, maybe with your work, you've got some end-of-the-year goals or some projects that you're working on right now. Uh, add to that, there's all the Christmas parties and all the shopping that's going to take place. Uh, maybe when you think chaos, you've now checked Thanksgiving off the list, but you're looking ahead to Christmas Day because you're hosting everyone at your house, and so you've got a lot of work to do to get ready for that. Or maybe you'll be on the road, but maybe being on the road, part of that means that you're going to try and be five different places on Christmas Day for the sake of keeping everyone happy. If you do anything like that at all in your life, well, you know a little bit about chaos. Well, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 to start today. And just a little background first, Isaiah was a prophet. Uh, he was a special, special messenger for God, and he lived and prophesied in Judah uh, during a season of chaos. Uh, it was an intense period in Judah as the people of Judah were living under an evil uh, and an oppressive enemy, and their future was uncertain. Uh, and the people were afraid, and God used Isaiah. I mean, he chose Isaiah to be his special spokesperson at this particular time. And one of the ways that God used Isaiah was as an encourager for the people. And so 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah encouraged the people of Judah, people living in chaos, with these words of hope. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Isaiah is talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. I mean, he's looking ahead to what we call Christmas Day. I mean, 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah encouraged the people of Judah by pointing ahead to the day when the coming Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus, would come. Someone that Isaiah gave four names. He called him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, these words were significant in their own special way during this season. And what's the significance of them today? Well, Isaiah spoke these words. He spoke these words of hope that Jesus would come. We have the benefit of knowing the hope of Jesus Christ who has already come and has come for us. He's God's gift to the world. He's my hope. I know He's the hope for many of you, and my prayer uh, for you that are here today that don't know Him as your hope and as your Savior, that you will see that even He, that Jesus Christ, can be the hope in your chaos. 
as we talk about this over the next few weeks. You know, we're going to look at these four names of Jesus over the next four weeks together. The first is Wonderful Counselor, and if you're taking notes, um, the name Wonderful Counselor comes from he, uh, two Hebrew words, uh, Pele Yoez, uh, which means great soccer player. I'm just kidding. It doesn't really mean that. I'm dating myself a little bit. But no, the word wonderful counselor, the word wonderful first, it means indescribable. It's the Hebrew word pele. It means indescribable or, or one who is too great for words. The word counselor, it's translated as one who advises or consults, uh, one who directs or guides. I mean, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He is too great for words. And he is one who is perfect. He is full of, of perfect wisdom. He, he, again, he is the one who guides and directs. He is, he is God in the flesh. And because he created you and because he created me, he, he knows all things. I mean, the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, is familiar with every intimate detail of your life. And because he came to the earth and because he lived on this earth, and he spent time with people. He spent time with people like you and me. He knows what it's like. I mean, he was born into a world of chaos, which means he can relate with us. It means that he understands. I mean, just consider these words from the writer of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and here's an important piece, yet he did not sin. And then he says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, he gets it. He understands. And the Bible says that he's full of compassion. He has been through what you are going through, and he's been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And so he knows pain, and he knows what hurt is like, and he endured the chaos. And that's why verse 16 says that we can, with confidence, we can approach the throne of grace. And the beauty is, what that means is the beauty of a relationship with Jesus Christ is that you can go to God, and when you go to God, you have this confidence that you will encounter grace and mercy and compassion from him. And this wonderful counselor, his help is available to everyone, to anyone, to anyone who has need. And you know what? Some of you are here today. You're sitting here right now. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say that you've got some significant needs in your life right now. I mean, in, in whatever way you would choose to describe it, it's safe to say that your life, in some sense or shape or form, is full of chaos. The good news is that there is one who can help. There is one who has come. He is Jesus Christ, and he is our wonderful counselor. He is our hope in the chaos. Turn over, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 11. Go to the first book of the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 28. Uh, if you read through the Gospels, uh, and when we say Gospels, we mean books like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are books that tell the story of Jesus' life on this earth. If you look at these, what you're going to see is how over and over again, our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, made himself available to people. Uh, he made himself available to people who were sick and who are hurting. That uh, Jesus was a friend of sinners, and he was always speaking words of hope and encouragement uh, to those who were afraid, uh, those who were discouraged with their life. I mean, it's no wonder that Isaiah called him the wonderful counselor. And in this particular occasion, here in Matthew 11, 
what we find is we find a number of people uh, who came to Jesus to listen to what he had to say. And this crowd was full of all sorts of people. Uh, There were the rich uh, and the religious elite, there were the educated, and those who at least looked like they had it all together. Um, but the crowd, the crowd was also full of people who were poor. Uh, it was people who were hurting. Uh, there were those who were addicted. Uh, there were people who were present who you could say were tired and exhausted simply from the strain and the toll uh, from life. Uh, these people here, you know, they lived in a culture where you were expected to perform and excel, especially when it came to these religious matters or these religious rules of the day. And so this crowd of people listening to Jesus in Matthew 11 you could just simply say they're a crowd of people who weren't measuring up, all right? They weren't measuring up to what culture said, hey, this is how you had to live. This is what you need to look like in your living. And so these people, people who had failed miserably in just about in everything of life, they've come to Jesus and they're listening to what he has to say. And so some of them were full of guilt. Others, you could say, were probably depressed and afraid. I mean, it's chaos in all shapes and form. And to these people, Jesus spoke these words. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, this is a a tired crowd of people. And these people are tired of trying to live up to others' expectations. Can you relate with that? Ever fall into that trap? Kind of experience that pressure in your life of trying to live up to other people's expectations, at least perceived expectations? Well, that's the case with these people. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and he starts talking about a new way of living, a new teaching. And Jesus says, come to me. And take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is a a heavy wooden harness that fits, uh, typically fit over the shoulders of an ox or or oxen. It's it's attached to a piece of equipment uh, that oxen are expected to pull. And since Jesus was a carpenter, and since carpenters in those days produced and repaired farm equipment, I mean, there's a really good chance that Jesus was quite familiar with how a yoke uh, was used and how it worked. Well, the law or again, these religious and cultural expectations that were above the people were like a yoke to them. And it was difficult to carry. It was difficult to bear. And so Jesus, what he's doing, he's inviting the people to take off this burdensome yoke. And he says, instead, take on my yoke. And and that doesn't mean, that in no way is saying that Jesus is saying, hey, my yoke's easy. All right, my yoke will, you know, you're not going to experience any problem or difficulties whatsoever. I mean, more than once, I mean, Jesus talked about how as Christians, we're going to experience difficult times and we're going to experience persecution. But these words here really are revealing in that they shed light on his care and his concern for his children, for people like you and me. I mean, it's our promise that our wonderful counselor will always be there, that he will always guide, that he directs. And for those of you that are here today that would say right now, you know what, I'm tired, and I guess it's safe to say that I got a little bit of chaos in my life right now too. I want you to know the truth and the promise that the same Jesus who provided and promised rest for these people, that's what he promises. That's what he offers to you and me too. And even even if we don't fully understand what that rest means that he's referring to, 
Sure has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't sound comforting that Jesus would say, come to me, which is an invitation to anyone and everyone. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, all who are burdened. Who's qualified to come? Anyone. Jesus says, anyone can come. Anyone who is tired. Anyone who would say, you know what, I've got burdens. Let me just stop there and ask you this. Are you tired? I mean, is the, the toll of life just so great that you could find yourself in a place today you say, you know what, I'm, yeah, I'm tired. Like, I'm exhausted. Um, are, you, are you tired of the chaos, uh, the pace of life? And, and what is it for you? I mean, what are those burdens that contribute uh, to what you would call the chaos in your life or maybe in your home right now. I mean, maybe it's the never-ending responsibilities of trying to take care and provide for your family. I mean, you love them, no doubt, but it's hard. I mean, it wears on you. I mean, maybe, maybe you're a single parent right now, so it just magnifies the challenge and the responsibility. Maybe you're taking care of aging parents and you're doing that all while you're trying to take care of your own job and your own family. I mean, maybe, maybe for some it's the chaos that results from financial stress. And the challenge of that financial stress for you right now is that you and your spouse aren't on the same page or, you know, maybe for you it's just the challenge and the stress of wondering, am I going to even have enough money to pay through school to get all the way through school and get my degree? For some of you, it's the the burden of stress and a to-do list that just will never end. I mean, there are all of the responsibilities, and it's trying to keep up with your kids and all of their commitments. Um, maybe your marriage is a mess right now, and uh, he's not happy, you're not happy, and maybe no one knows, maybe, maybe everybody knows. Maybe you're having trouble with your parents right now, just the relational issues of trying to get along with your parents. I mean, maybe the burden or the chaos stems from the fact that you're lonely, and hey, you know better than anyone else that the holidays just seem to increase uh, that difficulty, that, that time of loneliness in your life. Some of you might say it's depression. Depression is the burden, and you wake up under it wondering every day whether you'll get through or even if you want to get through anymore. Um, for others, the burden is fear. Uh, it's the anxiety. I mean, fear magnifies the chaos, doesn't it? Because if you're always afraid and if you're always worrying and wondering what might go wrong, or, or maybe for you it's just trying to please others or what other people think of you. I mean, maybe, maybe the chaos for you stems from an addiction. Maybe the chaos is the reality of a secret that you're living with and no one knows, but it's just the burden of carrying that secret and the fear that someone one day will find out. Maybe for you, that has everything to do with the chaos. It's the chaos we call life, and we've all got it. We've all experienced it. We're all affected by it in one way or another, and it was no different for the people that were living 2,000 years ago that we see right here with Jesus. And what did Jesus say? I mean, what did Jesus, the wonderful counselor, say to them? He says, hey, come to me. And what does he offer? He says, hey, I can carry the load. I'll give you rest. I'll refresh you. I'll give you the strength and the wisdom. You're searching for significance and comfort and all these other things, but Jesus says, I will be the hope in your chaos. And so he says, come, and I'll give you rest. And why is that important? Well, because believing this has the potential to change everything about your life. It has the potential to change 
Everything that you think about your life and your perspective and where you go looking for strength and rest and these so important things. And what's most important? I think it's how we come to Jesus and, and what he offers. And so the key is, you know, how we come to him. And so let's just look at a few things that I think make all the difference in how we come to Jesus. Uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. You know, Jesus says, come to me. But the first thing is this. That means that you and I, that we have to come as you are. You've got to go as you are. I mean, the wonderful counselor says, come. He says, come as you are, but that doesn't mean uh, that you have to clean up your act first. Right? That doesn't mean you've got to get everything all together or under control or all in order before you come to him. Jesus just says, come to me and come as you are. You know, all too often, I think we get caught up into this lie and this trap of thinking that we've got to prove ourselves. You know, we do that over and over. I mean, that's our culture, right? That you've got you've to prove yourself. I mean, that's what our kids are experiencing. Uh, we do that as parents. We're experiencing that as adults, too. I mean, we feel like we have to prove ourselves to other people. And so we'll at least try and make it look like we've got everything put together. I mean, Facebook is great for this, right? Uh, Instagram is great for this. It's all about, I mean, isn't it true that Facebook makes it appear like everyone has it all together, that we're all doing great and wonderful? I mean, it, it's beautiful for that. I mean, do you ever get depressed reading through your newsfeed to see all of the great things happening in other people's lives and what's happening with their kids and all of their awards and accomplishments? I mean, what parent ever posts, hey, my kid got an F on his science test today? You don't do that. We don't do that. But uh, isn't it so true? You know, I, I like what somebody said. You know, the problem with Facebook is that we get caught up into reading about other people's highlight, reading about people's highlight reels, and we compare their highlight reels with our behind-the-scenes footage, right? Because that's what we see. But notice that Jesus says, come to me, come as you are. And so while we have this feeling that we've got to live up to other people's expectations or at least make it look like we've got it all put together, don't we do that with God too sometimes? I mean, if you've been around church for a while, you know it's easy to get caught up into this lie that you better get it together, or at some point God's going to give up on you. Or uh, if you're new to church, you know, chances are that somewhere along the way, somebody told you you're not living up to his expectations, that you've messed up way too much for Jesus. But that's not the case, because Jesus says, come to me. He didn't say, come to me when you get a grip. Or when you finally get it all figured out, he just says, come to me. Come with your burdens. Come in your pain. Come in your stress. Come when the chaos is too great. Jesus says, I'll be the hope in your chaos. You, just come as you are. And do you know what else he means when he says come? He says, come as you are. But he also says, come. And I think he says, come ready to listen. Be ready to listen. Because here's the thing. Chances are that Jesus has something to say that he's got something to speak into your life. And that doesn't mean that he's not willing to listen. I mean, the Bible is full of examples of how our wonderful counselor is ready and willing to listen. I mean, there is no listener like him. And so maybe for you, maybe where it begins is that, well, part of coming to Jesus means opening up your heart to him. Because if you're honest with yourself, you've got some questions. Or maybe in those questions and those questions that have gone unanswered, maybe there's some anger that you have towards God and you're hurting because of it. That might be part of that honesty with him. I mean, maybe you need a good cry. Maybe you need to sit down with a wonderful counselor in a, in a quiet place and just kind of write out your thoughts, write out a long letter. I mean, I'd call that a prayer, a prayer that he's willing to listen to. Whatever it is, I mean, whatever you need to say to God, I mean, know this, he can take it. 
He is more than capable of taking it. And the Bible says that when we go to Him, that He is there and He's willing and ready to listen. But at some point, we have to quit talking and start listening to what He has to say too. I mean, it's like with any good counselor. I mean, it's one thing to go to a counselor and spill your guts and to ask questions. But if you want to get your money's worth, at some point, you've got to shut up, you know, and let the counselor, you know, do the talking. And the beauty of a relationship with Jesus is that He listens and again, he's full of wisdom and he can direct us. But notice again what Jesus invites us to do. He says, come to me. And not so that we can get an answer to every question that we ask or that he all of a sudden takes away all of the problems and difficulties. No, he just says, come to me and find rest for your souls. And that's a promise. I mean, notice that Jesus just points to himself and says, I'm what you're looking for. I'm the answer. I'm what you need. You know, I'm the one that you've been searching for. It all begins and ends with me. Jesus says, I'm the hope in the chaos and in your chaos. And part of, part of knowing that hope, part of that rest that Jesus offers comes from listening to what he has to say and what he wants to speak into our lives. I mean, the best news of all is that you and I, that we have access to God and what he thinks and the words that the wonderful counselor Jesus Christ has for us. You know, just yesterday I was kind of praying through and thinking about this message and just even thinking about some of God's words and what he might have uh, for me to share with you today that might encourage you. And so I just went through and I pulled out a number of passages uh, that I want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to go through these kind of quickly, but I pray that these might speak into your heart and encourage you in some way. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, we read, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Uh, The psalmist writes in Psalm 62, verse 7 and 8, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for he is our God. He is our refuge. Psalm 103, verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 139, verse 14, David writes, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you're sitting in this room right now, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Lord, by our wonderful counselor. He says, your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Psalm 147, verse 3, says that he heals the brokenhearted. And binds up their wounds. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for again I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. What is the gift that we receive from our Lord? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How is this demonstrated for us? Well, again, that love is demonstrated in Romans 5 verse 8, which says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son and his son who eventually gave his life for us. And why be afraid when Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, Beginning in verse 35, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, including chaos, will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, John writes this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, the gospel, the good news, isn't about what you and I bring to the table. It's about what Jesus brings to the table. He just says, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen in your life if you believed words like these? If you embrace words like these, can you imagine what would happen in your life that when you found yourself in the midst of the chaos, you quickly went to truths like these rather than believe those lies that Satan wants to speak into our life? I mean, this is what Jesus was saying to the crowd of the people that were gathered around him. Jesus says, hey, I know you're worn out. I know you've tried everything. I know the, the chaos is threatening to take you out. And so he says, I'm the answer. Take, take my yoke upon you. Try me on for size. Jesus is basically saying, I want a relationship with you. It's why I came from heaven to earth was so that I could have, that we could have a relationship together. The wonderful counselor says it's in the relationship that you will find your rest. And it's in your willingness to listen and hear what I have to say that you will find a greater hope, a greater hope for the chaos of your life. Jesus says, come to me as you are ready to listen and finally, I've hinted at it, it's all about being, it's about ready to believe, that I am ready to believe what he has to offer me and what he has to say for me. You know, believe what I say. Jesus says, believe in me, believe what I want to say to you so that when the stress is too great, you know where to go. So that when your kids are about to overthrow the rule in your home and do you in, you remember he's there. So that when you're depressed, you know that there is one who can encourage. That when you're angry, you know and realize that there is a counselor and he listens well. Or when you're anxious or afraid, you know there is someone whose presence can bring you peace. Again, Jesus offered these words to this crowd, but also to you and me today. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. I'm the answer. I'm the place of peace and rest. And he promises rest for our souls. But I think the question we've got to ask, or you've got to ask before you go today is, where do I find my rest? I mean, where do you turn for your rest? How many of you have something like a pair of these that you go looking for when it's time to rest? This is about 20 pounds of coziness right here. These are the heaviest sweatpants you can possibly find. And I got to tell you, when I want to rest, 
I go and find these, all right? And uh, whether it be after a long day or whether it's uh, Thursday night, because I typically take Fridays off, or I'll tell you what, about 1.30 this afternoon, you might be able to find me wearing these on my couch watching a little football. Uh, these, are, these are a symbol of rest, a, a feeling of rest in my house. Now, we also have this other item in our home that's commonly referred to as Big Brown, and it's this blanket that is kind of a first-come, first-serve uh, in the living room. Now, there's one rule, and that is that mom has rights over the blanket. And so I'll just be honest with you. If you walk in the living room and you find Jenny sitting on the couch with this blanket over her, it is a statement that your mama don't live here right now, and I have officially clocked out for the day. And so you are on your own if you need anything. And so uh, that's kind of what Big Brown means in our house. But we also have one of these two. I don't know if you have anything like this uh, in your house. We do have the Colts Snuggie. Uh, does anybody have a Snuggie? Anybody own a, a Snuggie? Uh, it's comfortable when the Colts are winning, uh, but I can't promise you that it's quite as comfortable when they have a game like they had last weekend. Not really comfortable for me, and I didn't get it. I didn't buy it. It was a gift uh, for, for my kids. But what is it for you? Uh, what, what do you go turning for for rest? You know, we all need rest. I mean, the truth is that, man, we run so fast. And we just keep moving and moving and moving all the time, and we never unplug, and there's never a chance to get a break or to find any rest. But the question is, where do you turn for that rest? And I'm not just talking about rest after a really long day, because we all deserve that rest from time to time. But again, where do you go looking for that significance? Where do you go looking for that comfort, for that escape, for that rest that Jesus says, only I can provide? I want to tell you what I'm learning in my life. I'm learning that there will always be chaos in some way, shape, or form. And for me, it's just the increasing responsibility of serving as a pastor, um, trying to be a godly husband, uh, father to my kids, uh, just all of the things that come up. And sometimes it's all great stuff. But again, there are other things that come up too. And it's just that stress and that burden. And there are so many places that we want to turn when that stress or when that chaos becomes so great. So many things that we turn to that are these kind of imitators of God of sorts that we'll turn to where we find that they ultimately, they can't deliver. But there is one. And what I'm learning in my life, even as I grow older, is that more and more every single day, it's about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that when I go to him, I'll find, and I do find that he's always there, and he invites me in, and he just says, come, when you're weary and burdened, and I'll give you the rest that you need. It doesn't necessarily mean that he'll answer all my questions, or that he's going to take away all of the burdens and the difficulties, but he's there, and he promises a peace and a rest that I can't find in anything else. What about you? Where do you go looking for rest? Isaiah spoke of one who was to come, the wonderful counselor. And those were words of hope in his day. And we've got this great benefit of knowing that he's not simply a hope that is to come, but he's a hope that has already come for us in Jesus Christ. And what he says to me, he says to you as well. He says, it's about the relationship. Just come to me. Come rest in me. Come find your hope 
in me. And what I'm praying for you is that maybe over these next few weeks, uh, in this Christmas season, maybe in this time even here at Genesis Church, that you would just keep coming back and that you would go looking for that hope and ultimately discover that it's a hope that's found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our band's going to come out and uh, lead us in one more song. And before they do, I, uh, I want to share with you one more verse that really, well, it's a prayer. And it's a prayer that the Apostle Paul was praying for the people in the church of Ephesus. But I want you to know that it's a prayer that I and our team that we're praying over you and for you uh, in these next weeks together. It comes right out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Again, this is Paul's prayer. and Here's what he writes. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength. Friends, I'm praying that your eyes and that your heart will be enlightened to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, as our hope for the chaos of life. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son to live and die, that he rose from the dead. And because he did, Lord, we can, well, we can discover salvation and joy. And that he is one that walks with us. He is one that is available to us. And that we can know with confidence that when we go to him, when we approach the throne of grace. We have this confidence that we will find mercy, that we can find rest, and that we can find compassion. And so, God, I want to pray for those that are here today, um, maybe even those right now that have a relationship with you, but I pray that today that you would use this day, Lord, to remind them that well, you would just say, I'm here. Come to me and find rest. And I pray for those that are with us this morning, Lord, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that God, maybe you would use today, maybe you would use our time together over these next weeks to open up their eyes, to open up their heart, Lord, to see the hope that is available in Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are today, and you feel God drawing you to himself today, I, I pray that you would open up your heart to him and let him in. And just pray, Jesus, come into my life. We thank you for that hope in our Savior. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. And I want to invite you to stand with us as we close out with these words of hope.